Coming up on this week's episode, talking points on Brendan Rodgers, Fulham and the appointment of Graham Potter, plus all our usual features, so let's get started. Hello and welcome to a new episode of You From The Sideline Podcast. It's Chris here. Hello, Liam. Hello, Chris. How are you doing? I'm fine, thank you, Liam. Yourself? Not too bad. Not too bad after a slightly shorter weekend of football, but a happier one for me, thank God. Yeah. It was about time. Seems like a long time ago. It does. Friday night, yeah. yeah. Um, so we're going we're gonna to get straight into talking points this week, and we're going to talk about Brendan Rodgers, probably the man most risk most at risk of losing his job um, at the moment. Um, now, I've, I've read a lot of different things online because I was quite interested to see on sort of everyone else's take on, you know, what's happened there because obviously they've been quite success- fairly successful, shall we say, under Brendan Rodgers um, and obviously since they won obviously the league back in 2015. Um, they've always sort of maintained a fair run of form and obviously win an FA Cup as well in, in between that. Um, but I did read somewhere that, um, I'm not sure how true this is, but um, one of the things that they're putting it down to is the actual lack of transfers in and and that obviously the owners not wanting to spend too much money on, I think, whether they think that they could spend it elsewhere um, for the club. But, um, it's just something I read online, which is quite interesting. Um, they spent a lot on their on their training and academy, yeah, didn't they? I think, I think mo- most of the Maguire money, the eighty million they got from Maguire, I think went on that. Which I, you know, I understand. Clubs need to they need to put money into those areas. You're not going to attract players unless they've got somewhere nice to come and train and things like that. I don't yeah. know how old Leicester's stuff was, but if it needed renovation, like you can totally understand. But yeah. you still need some money for players. You can't. But, Arsenal but, did it for years when the Emirates came up, didn't yeah. they? They hardly bought anyone cause, <laughs> and blamed on the stadium. So, But he's been, Rogers has been quite vocal. I'm not sure if you've heard some of his latest sort of... Um, Interviews at before and after the game, where he, where you can kind of tell that he, he seems to be holding back on a few of the details on what's actually happened over the summer. Um, I don't know whether he feels that he's been let down or he's, you know, things have been promised to him and they've not, you know, not, not arrived, shall we say? Um, but it, it seems to have crept onto the field and they just look like a team that have just lost all sort of confidence. Play. And to be fair, at the weekend against Tottenham, they didn't have a bad first half, but they played quite second, well, I half, second half, they just, as, as soon as sort of the fourth goal went in, it was, you know, the heads dropped straight yeah. away and, and you know, it, it just looked like they were drained of all confidence that they might have had. They've got a few players that I think are still standing out. Madison's yeah. obviously had quite a good start to the season. People are quite rightly you know, mentioning him for um selection for England. But I think you're right, you saw that you saw the heads drop uh as soon as that fourth goal went in and it's been a similar pattern I think in other games. But I think if I was on that team, I'm looking at probably what would have been our best player, or certainly one of our best players, our best defender in Fafana going for 
a huge, a huge price tag. Oh yeah. Let's be honest. They couldn't turn it down. That was the problem. No, absolutely not. And and I, I wouldn't expect them to. I think they've, you know, they're right to accept it when the player wanted to leave. But to have a replacement come in for uh, what thirteen million, I think it was, or fifteen million, it just kind of really highlights a bit of poor planning. I think. You know, we all knew that there were going to be offers for Fafana over the summer. To leave it to the last minute, it was it was deadline day, I think, wasn't it, or just before deadline day? Yeah, it, like the week, sort of, it happened over a, a numerous days yeah. before the actual. I, I'm not expecting Leicester to go out and spend that same amount on a centre half to replace, but with prices as they are these days, I'm not criticising. Feist, Feist, I think that's how you pronounce it. Something like that, yeah. But it, it's, it's not a, um, you, you can't compare the two, can you? Not a like I, for I, like. <laughs> no, I think it's, it's, it's one of those where you're torn between do we go out and spend big on a, a like for like replacement or do we invest it in, in say three or four players to improve the squad as a whole? And they really did neither, I don't think. No. So, that part might be part of where the confidence or the low mm. confidence is coming from because I'll be looking around now thinking, well, we sold our best player. We've not really bought in anyone. It might be a bit of a struggle to keep hold of a few more in January if they are where they are at the moment. I, I'd i be starting to ask questions, really. Yeah, I think they needed, I think they needed to buy a striker. Um, I think, you know... Vardy's in and out of the team at the moment, obviously through injuries and, uh, you know, and, you know, he's trying to get his fitness back. And I, d- I don't think Dakar is good enough for the Premier League. Um, and right. Ineacho is hit and miss. You know, he, he, he seems to score sort of four or five goals in four or five games and then you don't yeah. hear anything from him for, for half a season until he does exactly the same again. So, I think they could have invested it in, in maybe another striker. Um, they didn't. They didn't bring in another goalkeeper as well, and that for yeah. me, losing your captain and that's and a very strange one as well. It, it? it was for go. so for for so like little five, money as well. Is it like five just, million or something? It's just yeah, it's, I know so he strange. was. You know, he's, he's in his he's in his thirties now, but to it seemed too easy to just let your captain. And, and it's probably not, it's a player that's been with you from you know Championship League yeah. one days, to, who's come with you that far, and is I, I would have said over the the course of the last five years in the Premier League has been one of the better goalkeepers in the league. Oh yeah, he's, he's up there with anyone. So to let him go that easily, I just strange yeah. that he went. To I, if I was in that well. dressing room, I, I can see why morale is low. Yeah, I yeah, mean, they're picking up quite a few ex Premier League players, aren't they? It's, it's odd that he didn't go to sort of a bigger club. I know, you know, yeah. a, lo- a lot of goalkeepers these days, sort of his age, they're quite happy to, you know, just be the the second or third choice at one of the top six clubs. So, fair play that he's gone, you know, to the <laughs> to the nice part of France, yeah, <laughs> to uh, uh, you know, to see out his time. But I, I think he's been paid quite well down there. So I think, you know, it'll be fine. But um, do you, do you think Rogers will be next? It's hard to look past that, isn't it? I think there's a few managers that are, are maybe a few bad results away from losing their job, but yeah. 
I think now he's going to have the international break, I would imagine, and then I don't know who their fixture is after that. Do you think, been... Yeah, well, the thing is that the fixtures come thick and fast after the international break. So the month of October, I think most teams are playing about seven or eight games. So it's, it's whether they give him they give him that whole time to see if he can turn it around, and then if not, they've then got the whole of like sort of November and December whilst the World Cup's on to to try and find another manager. Um, and it's, it's the age-old question, isn't it? Who who yeah, comes? Yeah. Sean Dyche. And who is who is the best? He's literally <laughs> yeah. everyone. I, I, there everyone. are options. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, we'll have to have to I'm wait. Just trying to, to have a look at, at Leicester's next fixture. I think um, uh, I can't see them now. They on the Monday. Yeah, Leicester, Nottingham Forest. So it's a local, yeah, it's a local derby as well. So you'd imagine, and it's winning. They should be. It's against another. You know, you'll probably say that Forest are going to be down there come the end of the season, and you're at home. So I think you need to beat, isn't it? Yeah. So when you're down there, you need to beat the teams around you. So I think that that could be him. That could be him. Then if they they don't get something out of that, then because they haven't won a game yet, have they? No. Seven, seven, eight games they've played, and not one, definitely not one, a team that I thought would be struggling. So, after after waiting, but on the on the other note, um, just just quickly going back to the game at the weekend, um, Tottenham, you know, yeah, yeah, looked quite good, didn't they? Playing some good football at the moment, and I, I said at the start of the season that I thought they'd be sort of the dark horse to maybe pinch a sort of second or third spot. So. Yeah. Uh, and and Son just tore up the 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 newspapers that were slagging him off, saying that he, <laughs> he hasn't scored for for ten, eleven games, and then he just comes on and scores a hat trick. So, I mean, that's how that's how you do it, really, in that. So, it is, yeah. It's for someone who's who's so, been so terrible, apparently, and so off form. It's it's yeah. not a bad way to sort of start <laughs> your season, I guess. But yeah, I, they did look good, didn't they? You know, I, I've been critical of them, you know, even this season, really, and saying they're lacking a little bit of midfield. Certainly didn't look that way um, no. at the weekend. I thought they played really well. So we'll, we'll move on to another team that actually did really well this season, and I think probably out of the three teams that come up. Um, I personally thought they'd all struggle, all three of them. But Fulham, you know, fair play to them. They they haven't looked, you know, in, in the games I've seen, and they look they've looked pretty good. Um, but do you think that um, so this season that they've they've sort of gone for a different apo- approach to what they have on previous seasons on spending hundred and twenty <laughs> yeah. million instead yeah. of this season? You know, they they seem to have kept the majority of the team that they had and added a few you know few players here and now I think Andres Pereira from Man United that seems to be doing really well for them at the moment but obviously their main man is Mitrovic um, you know a lot of people doubting you know he's played in the Premier League before and you know he hasn't scored that many in the Premier League it's safe to say but obviously last season in the Championship he was breaking record after record of the amount of goals he scored, and he seemed to have carried that on um, this season. And he, for me, is probably their key man. Mm-hmm. But if he gets injured, yeah, I think that's when you might see them struggle a little bit, and it, and they might start to derail a little bit um, because he he seems to if he's fit, he starts up front. There's there's no question about it. They just 
I'm not sure that the backup they have would see them through if he got an injury, say for you know for a month or two months. Um, but on the brighter side, they are players and have decent football at the moment. And compared to sort of previous years, they've actually kept clean sheets this season. So, yeah, looking at their last couple of times that they've been in the Premier League. Defensively, okay, you can say that Mitch Rich hasn't scored much, but defensively, I think has been their weakness, and they seem to have sorted it out. Uh, I think so far this season. I think what's interesting, Mitrovic, like you say, he's played a couple of seasons in the Premier League, never really done much, and he had that reputation, didn't he? You know, oh, he's going to get sort of two or three goals. That's going to be it. But I think what what they've been quite smart with, I think. When you're in the in the championship, you need to be a, a good striker, but you either need the defences not to be as good, which they're not, or you need to have the creative players around you. I think he benefited from being better than the defences he came up against in the championship, but then didn't have that luxury in the Premier League. But now with those additions, like you say, um, Oh, his name uh, Andres Pereira and people like that. Jao Paulinho, I think, had a good start to the season. They've got that creativity now that I think they didn't have before. So he's getting more chances, more chances of a player of his sort of build. Like he's quite a physical yeah. striker. It's so difficult to get that space in the Premier League when you're a physical striker because it, it, there's just so few mistakes in the Premier League compared to in the Championship. Um, but he doesn't need it as much now. You know, the quality of the deliveries is better. But he's he's added a lot more to his game. I think he's not just, uh, you know, he's not just no, going to yeah. out-jump someone in the box and power in a header. He, he scores all types of goals now, where I don't think we've necessarily seen that before. Um, they have been playing some really good football. I've been, I have been impressed with the transfers that they did make. They obviously, like you say, went a different route. I think you're right. If they get injuries to those key players, it might be a bit of a struggle. But you, if you're going to plan for those injuries, you're going to have to do what Forrest have done this season. You're going to have to do what Villa did in the past, and you're going to have yeah. to buy a whole new team. And they've decided not to do that. They've done, they've tried it before, and it hasn't worked. And I think, you know, fitness-wise, I think Mitrovic has been pretty good. I don't think he's had any injuries really the last couple of years. I know he was out a little while when he was yeah. at Newcastle, but. Yeah, I think they've looked um, they've looked very promising. I'm just looking at their squad now. They have got Carlos Vinicius as backup. Yeah, um, I mean, again, he, he didn't he do much at Spurs. Yeah. yeah, but he scored a lot of goals in Holland, so he comes yeah. over with a bit you of a see reputation. The other again. That they've bought like Daniel James on loan. William, yeah. you know, ex Chelsea player. Yeah, William. Yeah, it's a Diop. Obviously, it's a Diop. I think a few years ago was rumored with some. Qual- big clubs I don't really and know Leno. what happened there Leno. yeah Leno oh, in yeah. goal as well there's Fine. some good there's some Premier League experience and I think that is quite a good thing to do I th- doesn't necessarily you don't have to bring in probably the best players in the world no. but when you're a club that has bounced around so much like Fulham have and, and Norwich is similar if you can bring in someone with that Premier League experience that's just had a couple of years sort of at the mid-table yeah. or fighting for Europe or something like that and they can bring that experience in I think it does in the world of good definitely and I think I think you know I think we could see them push for maybe sort of you know between a t- eighth ninth or tenth place this season so we shall um Wait and see. Just just before we move on, 
Chris, I just wanted to point out that I actually have the predictions that we made um, in the, the pre-season podcast in front of me. Yeah. And um, I just want to read out the um, wildest prediction for next season uh, from Liam was Leicester City to finish 15th or below. Oh, so go. I just, you... just wanted to say... I know what I'm talking about, you basically. <laughs> you predicted it. Yeah. All right. So we'll we'll move on to um, the situation at Chelsea that's happened over the last couple of weeks. I haven't had a chance to actually talk about it yet. Um, obviously, the sacking of Thomas Tuchel. Um, now, a lot of people said that they were actually shocked by it, but um, I can't say I was really. I was shocked in the fact that, obviously, it was done so quick. And he wasn't given as much time. But I think if you look at the way we've been playing recently, sort of against Southampton, we were awful. And sort of in the Champions League, um, which seems to be, which was his last game for Chelsea, losing to Zagreb. Um, but what a few people I think have forgotten is that the fact how bad Chelsea were sort of the back end of last year um, and the fact that we did so well at the start of the season for the first three, four months that that probably kept us in the top four. Mm-hmm. Um, but we haven't been playing well. And, you know, I've heard lots of things, um, you know, online and from, you know, quote sources of people saying they've heard things from in the club like one of them being about I don't know if you've heard about the situation with Ronaldo uh, no, the owners well apparently the owners were really keen on getting Ronaldo in and Ronaldo was keen and Ronaldo's agent was keen on it happening but apparently um, Tuchel basically said that he didn't really have a place from the team and he didn't know where he would play him if you know, if he was if he joined Chelsea, um, interesting and, for a team uh, with no strikers. Yeah, and I think I think the I think the new owners I think they they have a vision of how they see Chelsea Football Club um, sort of in the next few years. I think if you look at sort of the players that they bought in, they have bought in a lot of sort of players that are under twenty one, um, and you'll know one of them. Um, and I think they have a vision of, of trying to build a team, you know, for a manager um, for the next sort of four or five years. And obviously, I don't think they've seen Tuchel uh, as that person. So, you know, he went um, mm. and obviously they, they within sort of 48 hours, really, wasn't it? Um, Graham Potter came in, which... yeah. Um, I was actually excited by. I mean, he's he comes with a very good reputation at the moment. Um, his stock, his stock, shall we say, is high. Um, with what he's done, sort of abroad, and then you know what he managed to do at Swansea, and, and then obviously you know Brighton have been playing the best football I think Brighton have played for years. So, um, I think I think at, at this time, at this time. Now, I think he was probably um, one of the best candidates for the job. And I think that the owners have probably seen what he's done at Brighton. And I think that alone has probably gotten the job. I don't know if you'd agree. 
I th- I do, yeah. I think what Brighton were probably um you can what well, what you can commend them for doing, I think there was a period about eighteen months ago uh where they weren't on good form particularly and Potter was under a little bit of pressure. I think they were down not 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 really in danger of relegation, but you know, a few a few bad games away from being yeah. dragged into a relegation battle. But they stuck with him and they believed in the football that he played and they backed him in the transfer market and he let's be honest, obviously the scouting network comes into play, but he found some talent for next to nothing really. I mean I'm thinking of Basuma in particular, Kukurea, you know, they've all been bought in not for small price tags, but they've made a good profit on but them. Sold on, yeah. Sold on for a good profit. Um, so, and, you know, he's been part of a team that's sort of pushed through some academy graduates. Sanchez has come into goal for Brighton. You know, he wasn't scared to pick a young player here and there. I think, you know, Connolly got quite a bit of game time under him, but it didn't, didn't really work out for him. So I'd be interested to see if he sort of applies the, the same model if you like at Chelsea where there's obviously a bit more depth um, and you've got a bit more money in the bank should he need it probably in January Um, but in terms of a philosophy of like a footballing style I think sometimes I watch Brighton and I'm incredibly impressed with you know how well organised they are but I, I don't find it particularly like a pleasing on the eye style, I find it very much a do the basics well style. They don't, other than Man United, they don't really blitz teams away. You know, <laughs> I don't yeah, know they yeah. did with United this year, but they'll win a game, you know, one nil, two one. They'll do enough, and I don't know whether that is going to be enough. If if that is going to be what happens to Chelsea, I think it's going to be. Style or substance as a choice, and I'm not quite sure which one he's going to provide. But I think he's a young manager. Obviously, it's good to see a young English manager coming in and taking a big job because we've been complaining for a long time that it, these opportunities don't really happen. And to see the progress he's had from non-league to to Sweden to Swansea to Brighton and now to Chelsea, you can't help but back him and I and I do really want him to succeed in a way because it, it's a football manager's dream right to start at the very bottom and work your way up like that yeah. I, I think Sarri had a similar story didn't he in Italy I think Sarri was yeah. in non-league Italian football and worked his way up so yeah I think it's it's good for the game and you know I do think he will bring maybe um, I mean Tuchel had a, a certain style didn't he that he liked to play but I think Potter will sort of concentrate on doing the basics right and then it will be scoring. You know, yeah. I think he's going to get a well-drilled, organised, possession-based game. Um, and yeah, we just have to hope Chelsea have got the players. So I think they have. I mean, people like Jorginho and people like that in, mid- in midfield, I think, will allow him to play that style. But um, it'll be interesting to see who he brings in in January. Yeah, well, the f- the first game he had, obviously, against, this is the only game he's had so far, was against Salzburg. We did draw 1-0, um, but we were very attacking, I must say. It was more attacking than what mm. Tuchel was. He he started Mount Havertz, Sterling, and Aubameyang. 
<clears throat> and then he was using Rhys James and Cucurella as, as almost wingers at times as well. So um, do you, do he, you ditched, think... he ditched the five at the back though. He did. He did yes. only go for four. So which I'm a fan. Of. I don't really like five at the back. I think it's yeah. It's just a little bit restricts your restricts your options a little bit going forward. I think, but. Do you think he would be given time? Now he's the, the owner's appointment. Do you think if there's a bit of pressure, he'll be given a few uh, games to turn it around? Yeah. What? I, I think, I think, I think he'll be given time. I think, um, I think it, it, it I think it's going to depend on, on who he brings in, on who, who he has in mind, on where he thinks the score can be strengthened. Because at the moment, obviously we've got, you know, Chelsea spent, you know, Two hundred million pounds. So, hmm. you know, we'll, we'll just have to wait and see who he brings in. But um, yeah, it's a big job for him, and, and I do think he will do well. Uh, if I'm going to be pushed for whether he's going to, you know, finish higher in the league than, than mm. what you are now, and whether he's going to push on, I, I would now, if the players buy into his style of football, I could easily see Chelsea finishing you know, in the Champions League spots quite comfortably. Whereas I think under Tuchel, it might have been one of those last day of the season type deals. Hmm. Well, I am I am reading now that apparently the Ronaldo deal is still on the table for possibly January. Interesting. Uh, I have to say, I mean... Like, this is in the mirror, so pinch your soul and everything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, um, that's it for part one. We'll be back in part two with some Wonders of White, Who Am I, and a quiz. We'll be back in two. Hello and welcome back to part two of this week's episode. We're going to go straight into the wonders of white. So, aged just 15 years and 181 days, Ethan Nawaniri became the yes. youngest Premier League player ever. Yes. I mean, so there, there's going to be there's going to be more about that later uh-huh. in the quiz this week. I mean, I'm glad you. I'm glad you had to pronounce it first because I would have really struggled. Um, I mean, they're just getting younger and younger now, aren't they? Yeah, 15. So what? He was born in 2007. That's mad, isn't it? God. Uh, Leicester City's 22 goals conceded is the most of any side after seven games in the top flight since West Ham in the 65-66 season. That doesn't make good reading. And they're mostly from set pieces as well. Doesn't make um, good reading. Holland has scored 100 goals in his last 99 games. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. What, what a beast. And um, Chelsea failed to win both of their opening two matches in the Champions League group stage since 1999-2000 season. There God. We go. There we go. What a horrible time it must be for you to be in the Champions League, God. God I can only yeah. dream of such things. Yeah. Cool. We're going to go to your quiz this week. Yes. 
So, as you mentioned, Ethan Nwaneri became the youngest ever Premier League player. So, I thought I'd make this quiz about Premier League records. So, there's 10 questions. I think you can get about 17 points, I think, because there's a few where there's more than one answer. So, we'll just see how you do. But it's all about Premier League records. So, question number one. Who currently holds the record as the youngest Premier League goal scorer? I... uh, Now I'm torn between two... Is it Wayne Rooney or is it Michael Owen? I'm going to say Rooney. You are incorrect. But it is also not Michael Owen. You you got the right club. It's James Vaughan, who scored for Everton at 16 years old and 271 days against Crystal Palace. Just a little bit younger than Rooney. I think Rooney was a few days older than that. Um, So not the best start. But... Which current Liverpool player holds the record for the most Premier League substitute appearances? Current, did you say? Current, yeah. It must be uh, James Milner. Correct, it is indeed James Milner. 180 Premier League substitute appearances. What a record to have. Um, Well done. 50% 50% so far, but you can get a load of points on this question because Marcus Bent has played for eight Premier League clubs, which is a record. I'm going to give you one point for each club you can name. Oh, God. Um, right, let's start with... So did you say current Premier League clubs? Uh, they're not all in they the Premier were, League currently, they but they were, were at the time that he played for them. Okay, so I'll get the ones done that I think. So, Everton. Correct. That is one point. Sheffield United. No. Oh, Sheffield United are not there. Okay, so if you want Sheffield United... I'll let you carry on. I'll give you eight guesses, so your your maximum score now can be seven. Yeah. Palace? Correct. They were his first Premier League team. Ipswich? Correct. Uh, I have no I have no idea, mate. I can't think of any um you might as well just guess the next four. Just have a guess at four Birmingham. teams. Birmingham. No. no. He played for Birmingham, didn't he? Uh, he played for most teams, I think. He did. I, um, uh, did I say Leicester? You did not, but that is correct. Oh, oh, well guess. done. Leeds? No. Everton. Two more. I've said Everton, I know. You said Everton. Um, I'll give you two more guesses. I 
None of the. Oh yeah, one of them. Sorry, is is currently in the Premier League. The other, there's one in the Premier League, two in the Championship, and one in League One. Leeds, Middlesbrough. Nope. nope. Oh, that's. Yeah. I think that's I'm all guess. That's not bad. Four out of eight. So oh, the ones yeah. you, you you got Palace, Ipswich, Leicester, and Everton. You missed Blackburn Rovers, Charlton Athletic, Wigan Athletic, and Wolves. But not bad. That's not bad at all. That's pretty good. 50% on a player that, let's face it, never scored. So, pretty good going. Um, question number four. Which club hold the record for the biggest Premier League attendance? Now, what I'm going to do is, because it's a bit of a trick question, I'm going to tell you the attendance as a clue. I think I probably already know. Go on then, I'll do it without it. It's a trick. It's a trick question, isn't it? Because it's not Man United. It's not Man United. It's not Man United. It'll be. It'll be the. It'll be Wembley. So it'll be. It'll be Tottenham. I would assume. It is indeed. It is Spurs. Well done. You didn't fall into the trap, um, which I definitely would have done. Um, Question number five. So that's uh, correct. Question number five. Who is the scorer of the latest ever Premier League goal? when he scored for Liverpool against Arsenal in April 2011. The latest ever Premier League goal. And he was playing for who, sorry? He was playing for, he scored for Liverpool. He was playing for Liverpool against Arsenal in April 2011. And it came in the 101st minute. And I think it was an equaliser, if I remember correctly. I'm just gonna guess that someone like Torres. No, Torres is. I'll say Dirk Cow. Correct. It was indeed flying Dutchman Dirk Cow. Um, I remember there being two late goals in that. I think Arsenal thought they'd won it, and then Liverpool equalised or something along those lines. It was very controversial at the time. Um, so, question number six. The same player holds the record for the most penalties scored and most penalties missed in the Premier League. Who is it? Most scored penalties. Do... I'm just going to go with Shearer, because he scored the most, so he might have missed the most as well. Correct. Indeed he has. He scored and missed the most penalties, which, yeah, you never would think for Shearer. Um, I'm glad you got that one right, because speaking of Alan Shearer, is the next question. He jointly holds the record for most goals in a game with five. Can you name any one of the four other players he shares that record with? And by all means, if you want to show off, you can name all four, if you know them. Oh, I think I can think of one. I will give you one for the point. Uh, he scored five goals in a game. My mind's gone completely blank. Five. God, I mean, it doesn't happen often, so I don't, I'm not sure why I can't think of anyone. Um, I, I'm guessing I can have how many did you say there were? 
So there's, there's four. So with Alan Shearer, there's five in total. So five people have scored five goals in a game, but you're looking for the other okay. four. I'm just going to go with players that have scored a lot of goals. So I'll go Aguero. Correct. I will give you the okay, point. I will give you the point for Aguero, but if you want to show off and get some more points on the board, you can. Van Percy? No. I'll give you two more guesses so you can have a go at all four. Berbatov? Correct. Yes. The one that I didn't think That was against would be... Blackburn. Anywhere near that. I think it was against Blackburn. I can't for the life of me remember, but I will uh, take I your word for it. I can't think of any more. Uh, so the two you missed it's were An- Andy Cole and Jermaine Defoe. Oh, Defoe. Yeah. Yeah. Know. Yeah. So not bad, though. Another two okay. points there. So you're doing all right. Um, question number eight. Which player has the most Premier League winners medals? Which player? This is going to be. This has to be a Man United player. How many did they have? Uh, Thirteen. Oh, this has this has to be a Man United player. That's. Oh. I'll go with Giggs because he was a Man United for the longest out of all them. Correct. It is indeed yeah. Ryan Giggs. Yeah. Um, I just put that in there because it's a, it's pretty impressive, isn't it? Really. Because yeah. he, scored, he scored in every season, didn't he? he played. As I Arsenal think. Yeah. But and, and I don't think they've won it since he's retired. Everything. So, I think he's won every single Premier League medal that Man United have, which is pretty impressive, really. Um, question number nine: Which goalkeeper holds the record for the most consecutive games without conceding? <laughs> It was it was it was fourteen games I think 14. off the top of my head. I'll just say check because he's the only one that comes to mind. I thought it would be, but it's not. It's actually Edwin Van der Sar. Van der Sar, okay. Yeah, David James didn't play for clubs that were that good, unfortunately. Especially not at Villa. That's never going to happen. Um, but yeah, Edwin Van der Sar when he played for Man United. Um, final question: Which team has lost the most Premier League games? That's since the Premier League started, which team has lost the most? Norwich. It is, in fact, Everton. Shit, isn't they? Yeah. <laughs> Terrible. I think it's mostly because they've been in there for a oh, day yeah, one, haven't they? So... I should, I should have, I should, oh, silly, I just guessed at Norwich. I should have thought about it. Um, let me add up your scores. So, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine... Ten. There we go. Ten out of a potential seventeen, I think that was. So it's not bad going at all. It's all right then. Cool. Right, we'll move on to who am I? Uh, so, how do you want this from start to finish, or from oh. where they finished to um, where they started? Uh, let's go start to finish. Okay. So. He started in 1992. Okay. At Birmingham. Oh, God. <laughs> he then went on loan to Wickham. 
He then signed for Stoke, then Southampton, then West Bromwich Albion. He then went on loan to Northampton. He went on loan to Reading. And then he moved to York. And from York he went to Boston. And then he went on loan to Shrewsbury before finishing his career at Macclesfield in oh, 2005. God. Now, obviously, I have clues. Because <laughs> so, Birmingham, loan to Wickham. Mm-hmm. And to Stoke. Stoke. He had a small stint Stoke, in the Premier South. League. Hang on a minute. I think I might know this. Uh, oh, no. Stoke, no, because he went Southampton to Stoke. I was thinking of, of Rory Delap for a minute there, but he went the other way, I think. He went Southampton, and he certainly finished later than 2005. Um, oh, go on, I'm going to need a clue, I think, at least. So your first clue is... I do. He... Is a current Premier League manager. Oh, interesting. Who ended his career at Macclesfield? If this is something like Graham Potter, and, I, and I've not realised he's actually had a professional football career, I'm going to be fuming. Um, ended his career at Macclesfield. Played for Boston as well. God, this is this is more difficult than I thought it was going to be. So they've got to be British. He is English, and there can't be many English managers in the Premier League anymore. Gerard, obviously, no. Oh. Is it Graham Potter? Have I just totally missed his actual you want career? Go on, give me another one. His surname is the same surname as a wizard. Oh, <laughs> actually Graham Potter. It is Graham Potter. Unbelievable. Yeah, I had genuinely it. had no idea he, he played for some actual decent clubs. Do you want to know the download? Go on. Okay, so hang on. Let me get my Graham Potter page back up. He, he's, he's been around, let's just say that. So, he played for a season at Birmingham, where he played 25 games, and then he played 45 for Stoke, 43 for West Brom, 114 for York, and then 57 for Macclesfield and sort of the other teams he played less than sort of 10, 15 games. Blimey. He got he made the England under 21 side once, and he played a total of 320 professional games and scoring 16 goals, eight of which came in his last season at Macclesfield. Well, I never knew that. I genuinely thought. I, because I saw someone on Twitter put the other day the tweet that Leeds Carnegie sent when he left to become manager of Östersund in Sweden. And I thought, ah, oh, he's just bounced around the non-league then, hasn't he? You know, he's probably been a bit of a journeyman non-league footballer. No, he's he's actually a professional footballer who knows what he's talking about. So, um, never, yeah. never won a medal as a player. Never got 
Never got um won anything. Didn't win a league, didn't win a cup, didn't win anything. Now, here's the thing. He has three sons. Not one of them's called Harry. Oh, come on, Graham. Come on, mate. Isn't it? I was missing a it trick. Um, the, I least, mean, the, the least he could do is have a daughter and call her Beatrix. So he did have a stint in the Premier League for Southampton um, in 96-97 season. He played eight games, um, but the majority of his football was sort of in the the old first division, um, what is now, I've, I guess, I've, the championship. I've literally, I've literally just clicked on the... Um, 96-97 Southampton season, the first thing that comes up is Ali Deer incident. So I'm thinking anyone a part of that is probably not going to last a long time. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. I mean, they didn't... I don't think he played that much. He played eight games, according to this, but he played with some, you know, some half-decent players like Letizier and Paul Tisdale was in that team. Igor Oshtenstad. Yeah. Jim Jones there. Matt, Matt Oakley. We played Lund- for a long Lund- time. Lund- Farm. Lund- Farm as well, yeah. Mike Taylor. There we the go. keeper. Blimey. Who knew, eh? You learn something on this podcast. That's what yeah. I like. Yeah. Right. That's it for this week. You got anything else to add? Um, I, I did actually, uh, just because they have played tonight and won 7 0 um, in their league. Uh, I just wanted to give you an update on Rugby Town's FA Cup adventure. Um, sadly, it's come to an end. They lost 2 0 at the weekend to Basford, who are, I think, two leagues above them. Um, so their FA Cup dream is over, but they've bounced back tonight with a 7 0 win over Rothwell Corinthians. So, um, yeah, it's not, it's not all bad. Too easy. Too easy. Shame they're out there, the FA Cup. Yeah, it is a bit. But, you know, bit of money from it, so it can't be too bad. Yeah. Right. So that's it for this week, and we'll be back next week.